Welcome back to the MLS Net Boys podcast, episode six. It's me, Jacob, and my good friend Chase. How's it going, Chase? Doing well, man. Crazy to think it's already episode six. I feel like we have hardly been doing this. It's it's been a journey so far. We've got a few new countries I noticed on the on the listeners' side. We've got somebody from Spain. We got some people in Africa now, so Nigeria specifically, so I think that guy in Spain was probably Gavi, just scouting out a move to join up with Ricky Pooge in LA Galaxy. That's right. So, I I got to watch a decent amount of games this weekend, and let's jump right in. CONCACAF Champions League this round wrapped up. We had a lot of big games, couple upsets. Let's start with Austin to Violette 0, but Austin fails to go through 3-2 to two on aggregate. What do you think about that result, Chase? Heartbreaking for Austin, but as a neutral fan, you love to see it. It was great to watch Violet. Just uh, I think they only had like 15 guys there for the game or something like that. It was crazy. They had like nobody on the bench. They were missing like their captain. No, I think their captain traveled, but they're missing good portion of their team with visa issues, which is crazy. They forced them to, you know, just play so quickly. They didn't, they didn't like delay the game at all. Um, but good on them for just going there and really just kind of holding on to that lead and sticking it out. Yeah, and they I was reading about that too. Yeah, they only had like 14 or 15 players on there, but they were missing so many. Some of the guys they did pull were from like different like teams. Like there's like an emergency like loaning rule you can do in Champions League. So they had to like just grab random players. So what a result. They still lost, but they're going through. That's amazing story so far. Moving on, Philadelphia 4, Alianza 0. Philly goes through 4-0 to zero pretty easily. What else can you say? Love to see it. I think Philly's definitely going to be pushing for a deep run in CONCACAF this year. Um, probably going to be pushing for the final. When you kind of look at the way the bracket's lining up and how strong Philly is, I could see them making a push all the way to the end. Yeah, on, on that side of the bracket, looks like it's shaping up to be LAFC Philly in the semifinals, which unfortunately would be kind of cool if that was like the final matchup, you know. It would be nice as an MLS fan who roots for every single team in this competition except for Seattle Sounders, which is ironic to go through that it would be nice to just have an all MLS final one of these years. So I can just I can just be happy. I don't have to watch a fellow MLS team get concacaft in Mexico. You know that's never going to happen, though. Just the, with how CONCACAF works, there's always going to be like some big upset, like the Violet one this year, where this MLS team looks like a true favorite, and they go, and they there's like a dog that runs on the field. There's like riots outside the stadium. Civil unrest. There's like a like bunch of rocks on the field or something weird. Unrelated, but do you remember that CONCACAF Nations League game where like that 60-year-old dude who is like <laughs> the president or like congressman of the country who's like also an owner of the team was just playing as like a center mid and just pinging balls that is peak CONCACAF that guy his gut hung out so far it was kind of funny just watching him like he didn't even really run he just kind of walked around on the field picture picture like one of the MLS teams with like a celebrity owner like Will Ferrell or something just (laughs) goes in and plays as center back and he starts that weird half afro thing he has just like out of shape Will Ferrell just pinging some Crossfield switches. 
when I saw that clip of that like congressman or president or whatever playing, it just like reminded me of like playing men's league soccer. And you just have the guys like your team manager, but your short players. So he has to step out on the pitch <laughs> and he just does not run, even though he's been yelling at you all season long that you need to do more. You need to get up and down the field. And then he gets out there and like just basically it moves as much as the goalie does throughout the 90. Exactly. Now, peak, peak CONCACAF right there. Next up, Real España beats Whitecaps three to two. Whitecaps, however, go through seven to three on aggregate, which seven goals is pretty pretty impressive. Uh, I was I was happy to see Vancouver go through. I, they got a tough matchup. They got to play LAFC next in the bracket, I believe, or at least it's on that side. So that's a tough break for them. But I would love to see Vancouver get this done, honestly, or at least make a deep run. Um, Weird seeing Vancouver score goals. They don't they don't do that very often in the league. So it's kind of cool seeing them in Champions League where they can kind of pick on some teams that are worse than them cuz usually they're the team that gets picked on. Yeah, no for sure, for sure. Nice to see Vancouver doing something. This one was kind of this one was really heartbreaking. I'm sure for Orlando. 1-1 draw with Tigres, but Tigres goes through on away goals, which yeah, CONCACAF still uses away goals unlike the MLS playoffs got rid of that when they were doing aggregate and then Champions League in Europe, UEFA got rid of it. But yeah, Tigres was up 1-0 at Orlando. Orlando scores a 90th minute bicycle kick goal to level the game. But that was absolute scenes. That, that was nuts. It was awesome to see, yeah. And I don't know, I saw some stuff on Twitter. I didn't see it, but some Orlando fans were saying they should have had a pen or something. So Tough, tough outing for them, unfortunately. And what makes it even worse is they would have had to play Pachuca next, the Liga MX reigning champions. But Pachuca got eliminated by some Honduran team, Matuaga. And I think is probably how that said. Probably not. But yeah, baby. the biggest team on that side of the bracket is was, was out now. So if Orlando had gotten through, they would have had a, a nice path to the final, unfortunately. But... Yeah, I saw it just looked like it was heartbreak for them. Oscar Pereja was pretty livid after the game. He had a lot of respect for Tigres as a team, but from what I heard, there's a lot of time wasting, a lot of just disrespect. Um, I guess I don't want to say disrespect, but just kind of like you say, the dark arts. You know, a lot of dark arts from uh, Tigres to grind out a 1-1 draw away so that they can move on. Yeah, and then last MLS club, LAFC at home. They won 3-0 at Alajuense, the Costa Rican club. They lost 2-1 at home, but still go through 4-2 on aggregate. And LAFC's schedule, is, they've just been playing a lot of games. Honestly, I don't read too much into this loss. They still went through. They were dominant on the road. And then they beat New England 4-0 right after this. So honestly, to me, it just screams... They were just tired and heavy legs, and but they still got the job done. Kind of crazy that even when this team like rotates, like their center back pairing is Aaron Long and Chiellini. Just like the depth that this team has, I think they're going to be pushing for a lot this year. What does it feel like to have multiple center backs on a roster that are capable? Hey, man. <laughs> Portland Timbers have three that all play at once. Just so somebody can fizz in a ball and go right through Mabiala's laying off the back of his heels chops he falls down and then it goes into the own, into our goal that was very descriptive I've seen that exact situation play out like a dozen times as a Timbers supporter 
in like the last eight years. But you keep Mabiala for when November comes around, playoffs are starting, you put him and Aspria on the same pitch, and it's it's lights out. That's right. I, I do I do love the man's form when a when it's a knockout round competition for sure. But yeah, that's Champions League, so that will resume soon. Looks like the final will be I think it's in June actually, so it's a little bit later this year, so we'll have a little bit of a break and then they'll resume that. But moving on to the league games, we started off with I was watching this one. It was LAFC at Seattle and Man, the entire pregame show and the entire time, all the commentators were just fawning about how this was the biggest matchup. These are the two biggest clubs, and this was the they literally made the comparison. This was Liverpool versus Man City. Seattle was Liverpool, LAFC was Man City, and they just would not stop with this comparison. Ended up nil-nil. <laughs> I love to see stuff like this happen. I, I didn't get a chance to catch this game. Um, I do think both these teams are really good teams. Like, they, there's definitely some, you know, merit, and it's kind of warranted to hype these teams up a little bit. But it is annoying when you just see this unfair coverage about like Seattle year after year, and like LAFC since they've entered the league. But I think the highlight I saw from this was Stephen Fry with the bleach blonde hair getting like kicked on the ground while he had the ball, and then just start like a brawl inside the box. Dude, I watched that live, and it was the biggest, like, everything I say against Seattle is going to sound like I'm super biased because I hate them because I do, but all that aside, I watched this, and yeah, cross goes in. It's a good cross from LAFC, and I think it was Buanga, but then, yeah, Fry kind of catches it, but then Aaron Long tries to kick it still, not even maliciously or hard, and then you got, like, a bunch of sounders shoving and getting in their faces and stuff. It's like, what the heck, man? Like, just silly. Can we talk about soccer fights and just how silly they are? It's like, I think most fights in sports is always just kind of silly unless you're watching like hockey, but it's kind of funny just watching a bunch of dudes just get into like a big huddle. Like, half of them are just grabbing each other's jersey and the other half are just like shoving. And then if it ever comes to like actually like throwing blows, it's just guys like jumping really high and like kicking each other like they're kangaroos. Like, they just fight in such a weird way. Exactly. You know, the weird thing about this, too, is some I'm on the stats page and yeah, I was watching this. So ref hands out some yellow cards after this on the official match summary on MLS.com. It says Aaron Long and Nuhu for Seattle. Yellow card reason. It just says other reason. The rest of them say foul or dissent. These just say other reason for their card. But I'm going to say moving on from this, I'll just say, yeah. Seattle looked like the better team for most of this game, but right at the end, LAFC could have scored like three goals. There was a couple wide open chances that completely unmarked. Opoku had some great chances and he failed to capitalize. Yeah, Stefan Fry had a good save late as well, but it was, yeah, I don't know. I think Seattle was, they were the better team for sure, but a little fortunate to escape with three points at the end of it. And moving on, Atlanta and Portland played, I think. Yeah, I don't know. There wasn't very much to talk about in this game. This was horrible. This, As a Timbers fan, it was one of the worst games I've ever watched. I, I second that, and I didn't even get to watch it. So I had, a, I had an event at my church to go through. 
and I got to catch the first 10 minutes, which was lucky for me when the Apple TV stream stream was having a stroke just on my TV. So I'm trying to get ready. I'm trying to get dressed and stuff. And this feed is just cutting in and out. I see Williamson score this screamer. It's two minutes in. And I was like, oh, all right, let's go, you know. And then was it Ted Uncle? Was Ted Freaking Uncle the Ted ref? Ted Uncle calls it back for offsides. That was despicable. You know what? In In the long run... I don't think it would have mattered. Atlanta just kind of ripped us to shreds. But you never know. If a goal like that stands, you never know what implications it could have been, how different the game could have played out. I I think it definitely would have influenced the game, um, for sure. I mean, it kind of killed our momentum, killed the the guys. You know, they just kind of seemed a little bit hard done after that, and it took them a while to grow back into the game. And... Like you said, I don't think it would have influenced the overall result, but it definitely had an influence on how the team kind of was mentally for the rest of that first half. Yeah, Atlanta just put on a clinic. Almada, he's had four goals and four assists so far to start this season in four games. That guy's lethal with free kicks. Crazy, yeah. Caleb Wiley was pretty pretty on it today as well. Their new DP striker scored. Because Mabiala went for a hot dog and just decided not to not to mark him in the box. Did they have the cheapest concessions in all of MLS? They do. They have a Chick Fil A in the stadium as well. Did you know that? Hey, what Mabiala is a man after a deal. What can I say? I don't want to. I don't want to talk about this game anymore. Good. Good for Atlanta showing showing how. It reminds me of like the 2018, 2017 Atlanta, you know, where they're just blowing out teams and stuff like that. But Timbers, though, on the bright side, maintain our streak of longest active MLS club to not be shut out. It's been like 20 plus games that we've scored in consecutively. So good on good on Tega Ikoba for coming in for like his first career goal in the 83rd minute just for... (laughs) Atlanta three minutes later to score another one. You know what? Who really got the win there then? We maintain the streak. Let's jump ahead though. Montreal beats Philadelphia. And this was this was a crazy game, actually. So Montreal hadn't scored until this game. Yeah. And then yeah. Montreal gets a penalty kick in like the second minute. Kyoto puts it away. And it was, like, weird. It got, like, checked, and then it got checked again, and it was just crazy. Philadelphia then proceeds in the second half to score two goals. Michael Ur, the striker, and then Julian Carranza gets a red card. It was not super clear, I feel like, but it was a second yellow for him, actually. But then it was stoppage time, like, madness. Montreal scores a goal in the 90th minute to tie it, when Philly's down a man and the goal stands and then they call it back for VAR and then they review it and then they called the goal off and then they but right before they went to blow off for kickoff they went back to VAR reviewed that same goal again and then decided to give it so like he had to go to VAR twice and he made a call and then changed it and then Montreal scores eight minutes into stoppage time with the last kick of the game to win the game 3-2 absolutely nuts feel bad for philly um rough start of the season for them but similar to lafc they just have a lot of games stacked on them but good on montreal this team kind of needed something like this to really invigorate them i can see them maybe start to string together some results now they've got their first goals of the season 
And usually results like this tend to kind of help teams start string together some form, like a late winner that kind of uh, ignites a little bit of belief in the team. For sure, yeah. Big three points for Montreal. Next up, this is one of our, our predicting games. We had New England hosting Nashville. New England wins 1-0 in the Dave Romney Classic, and Gustavo Bo had a pretty pretty awesome goal, actually, to win 1-0 for them. Gustavo Bo looking like his old self. Did you see the goal? Yeah, it was it was nice. He put a move on a defender, nice finished little it. little feint to the inside, cuts back to his left, and just rips it like to the near post. Really, really nice hard shot. Yeah, and I don't know. New England last game had a bit of a blip before this. They played at LAFC and, yeah, 4-0 loss, fell apart. So they bounced back against a pretty solid Nashville team. Nashville pretty disappointing, though, going going out on the road. But I saw a stat recently about Nashville where I think they're averaging about, like, 200 to 300 passes a game. I think it was, like, 250 or something, which compared to the top team in the league – that's like half of their passes, which just kind of sums up Nashville. Like they just sit, defend really deep, and they just play these like long counters. This game was different. They had to kind of string together more passes because they were down for about half of the game. So they're kind of chasing it. But it's just weird to think like this team has been so successful these past like few years by just sitting really deep, defending, and just hitting on the counter, which is what the Timbers try to do. The, the Gary Smith way. The Englishman setting them up for success there. Just defending and hoping Haney Mukhtar can just rescue them every game. But it's worked before. New York Red Bulls, they get a win 2-1 to over Columbus at home. Dante Venzier, their Belgian striker, gets off the mark and scores the winner. And, yeah, it must be nice for New York to have a competent striker now. I know since Bradley Wright Phillips left, they've just been... They've had Tom Barlow. They had just Patrick Clamalla. Just nobody's been the answer up top, but they're hoping this guy can do it for them. Yeah, little disappointing for Crew as they just seem to dominate this game. Sixty-three percent possession, uh, just eighty percent pass accuracy versus New York Red Bulls with only sixty-seven percent. So it's just kind of indicative of how this game goes and how Wilfred Nancy likes to set set his team up. He wants to just kind of dominate the game, but only able to produce five shots across this game where New York Red Bulls with not very much possession are just jamming up the field, getting 15 shots throughout the game. Um, Columbus has to figure some stuff out, man. And, you know, maybe they will because looking at the the stats for this game, you know who made the bench for, I think, the first time this season? Number number 22, Keegan Hughes, is on the bench. Didn't, Didn't come in, but... We just need one of these Columbus Crew center backs to tear his ACL, and then maybe Keegan Hughes can step in. Come on the show, Keegan Hughes. I hope nobody gets hurt. <laughs> Next up, what do we got, Chase? We got New York City hosting DC United, another one of our matchups of the of the week. I predicted a, a 2-1 DC win. New York City FC wins 3-2. Talos Magno, Santi Rodriguez, and Thiago Andrade. So some good some of the bigger names for NYC stepping up and getting some goals. Uh DC with two goals, one by Benteke, one by Steve Birnbaum, who I feel like hasn't scored since the twenty sixteen MLS season. So that's one kind of those cool. guys you just forget is like still playing in MLS. 
but then he's going to get signed as like a like an expansion team center back and just like restart his career. Yeah, big big win for big win for NYCFC. Um, they're kind of after a bit of a shaky start, looking to get back to their form in twenty twenty one and those those golden years for them. For DC though, Mateus Klitsch, two assists on the day. He scored and he's had a good start to the season. This was a signing I wasn't super impressed with from Rooney, but I don't know. I'm still kind of high on this DC team. I think this is an unfortunate one, but so far, all of their games have been kind of exciting. Yeah, I, I caught the end of this game, actually, and they were really pushing for, like, it had, like, a ridiculous amount of stoppage time. It was, like, nine or ten minutes and caught the end, and they were really pushing, like, winning free kicks, just lobbing the ball into the box. They were putting NYCFC under a lot of pressure. But um, NYCFC just looks better since they've got Santi Rodriguez and James Sands back in the side. And I think this is a team that, with that core, they're going to do a lot this season. And we kind of discussed it last week, talking about the results. I think James Sands is going to be huge for them. I agree, yeah. Here's a first win of the season for Toronto. Toronto hosted Inter-Miami, and they win 2-1. Jonathan Osorio and Mark Anthony K score. And, yeah, big win, first win for Toronto this season over a solid Miami team. And that's without Insigne being gone. So they're starting Devin Kerr up top. Devin Kerr, the boy. I, I don't know. I didn't honestly didn't watch any of this game, so I don't know a ton about it other than the fact that Bernadeschi got subbed out. Didn't seem to have much of an effect on the game just from what I've read, but don't know. This wasn't a game that really excited me just on paper looking at it. Which is weird because you when you see you hear Toronto and Miami and it seems like, you know, more of the more known teams in the league. But yeah, I agree. Good three points for Toronto. Um Next up, this was a crazy game. Chicago Fire hosting Cincinnati. I was watching the highlights. There was like 4,000 people, if that many, there in all of Soldier Field. It was like 20. It was like the coldest game ever there, I think, is what I read. And props to the fans for sticking through that because I was at the Timbers game when it was like 38, and that was awful. I felt like I was going to die. But Some said there was snow on the field. It was snowing on the field that day. That's what I hear. So, yeah, Chicago, they're up 3-1. Casper Shrebelko scores um, first time in a while for Chicago, and it was looking like you know a good result over Cincinnati, a good team, but they let up so many chances at the end of the game, and they conceded two, and Cincinnati almost won this game down two from behind, and so disappointing, and I was just reading some stuff from some Chicago Fire fans on Twitter, and they've conceded so many just late late leads that they've just fizzled out at home. Sounds familiar. And <laughs> and just, I don't know. I don't know how much more time Ezra Hendrickson is going to get for this team. Yeah. Yeah, it's the my pick for Chicago at the beginning of the season is starting to look pretty accurate. But Cincinnati, good on them. This is what we talked about last week. This is like what a good team has to do in the league. They have to grind out these results where they're away. It's bad weather. Got all 4,000 of these fans just chirping at you. And you got to string together some results here. So they they did good pulling it out right at the end. Yeah. I As a guy, I, I just root for the Chicago Fire. I have no connection to this team. I I 
been to the Chicago airport a couple of times, but that's it. But I just want them to be decent so bad. I just really do. They have one of the best jerseys in the league, that new. Got some great pizza as well. That's right. Next up, we got Terrible Dallas. Jerseys. <laughs> I disagree. We got Dallas beating Sporting Kansas City 2-1. to one. Kansas City finally scored a goal, Daniel Shallowy, but they lose. And Chase's favorite U.S. national team striker, Jesus Ferreira, gets the 84th minute winner. Silencing the haters, which I am one of them. Uh, I saw Alan Velasco got a goal. Um, after the Timbers game ended, we threw on the MLS 360 show, so I was able to catch his goal, which he took it nicely, but sporting KC, man, I are you regretting where you put them at in your preseason predictions? I had them kind of high, yeah. Did I, I think I did like fifth or sixth, and not looking great. There was another cool thing. There was like a double penalty kick save. I don't know if you saw that, yeah. but like they had to retake the penalty. That was pretty awesome. That was for Dallas. But yeah, I, I'm i going to focus more on Kansas City side. They're just, just really disappointing. I don't know when um, Alan Polito is supposed to be back, but they need something up top. Willie, Willie Agata, who was lights out last year, just hasn't brought that back. Alan, Alan Polito is to them what Felipe Mora is to us. Like he's really good when he's able to get on the field, but the guy cannot stay healthy. Man, could you imagine if they got Ronaldo and he was dealing with this? <laughs> he he wouldn't have turned it around. I mean, I don't he would have first had to win over that spot from Kyrie Shelton. So Dude, are you telling me Cristiano Ronaldo's gonna be able to get past Marco Farfan down the wing? No way. I saw Marco Farfan shut down Ibrahimovic. Dude, I saw Marco Farfan shut down my friend on FIFA, like, multiple times. Marco Farfan, great on and off the field. That's come right. On, come on the show, Marco. Big Texas matchup. Houston Dynamo beating Austin FC. The misery just continues for Austin. And Amin Bossi gets his first goal for Houston. And Hector Herrera as well. Chase's favorite Liga MX Mexican legend. Just proving that Austin's center backs are just a dismal. So bad right now. Exactly. And this was, yeah, Austin had last week off. So this was, or sorry, Houston had last week off. So this is their third game. And they finally get a result because they've been playing good. Houston's been playing good soccer. And they just haven't had any points to show for it. But they finally get a win over their Texan rivals. And, yeah, for Austin, just disappointing losing to a team not a lot of people expect to do much. But Houston. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> I didn't know if you were talking about Houston or Violet. <laughs> I, was, I was curious how this game was going to go because similar to – do you remember last year in the Champions League when um, New England got, like, crashed out? And- they were up 3-0 and – lost a 3-0 lead yeah similar fashion so it was, i was kind of interested to see how they were going to bounce back because new england similar to this they went on like a five game like losing streak or something after that happened or they had like five really tough results in the league after losing out so i was interested if austin was gonna let this be a wake-up call for them but it's looking like they're gonna follow the new england path and continue to fall down this hole yeah what's going on in austin seriously Next up, bit of history here. St. Louis wins and still top of the entire league supporters' shield standings. They win 3-0 over San Jose. 
Jao Klaus gets another goal. Nicholas Jokini gets a goal. And I don't know what to say. St. Louis is now the best start to an expansion team in history, which is nuts to me, considering some of the more recent teams we've had. What do you say, Chase? I'm about ready to just cancel my flight to St. Louis. Um, I've told you before, but I'm, I'm going there to watch the Timbers play late April, and I'm not looking forward to going there anymore. St. Louis is starting to look pretty legit, unfortunately. I don't know, man. I, I'm really hoping teams start to figure out their style of play because it just looks so chaotic and does not look really pretty or fun to watch, but they're just stringing together these results somehow. To be fair, San Jose, smallest team in the league, definitely not a really skilled team, but they're kind of in this transition period where they are starting to learn how to build out of the back, and their their coach is really um, dedicated to that. So if they would have strayed away and they tried to go long and kind of play fast with these lines, I think they would have been able to find Jeremy Bobasi up top and find some success against that St. Louis back line. But it kind of came down to them sticking to their principles and what they want to do as a club, which I applaud them for. But, man, I hate to see St. Louis doing this well. Yeah. I See, I think this is this is an impressive one because, yeah, San Jose's looked solid this year. The A solace I can take in this, though, is, yeah, we, we watched them beat Portland in Portland um, a week ago now. And... You know, at least we lost to a team who's like been good this season. It's not just like we lost to some expansion team who's been crappy, but then like several years for Timbers. Like, you remember when we lost to Sensi when they're the expansion team? I was just thinking about that. We love to give these expansion teams like their first win or like their biggest win in like their new stadium or whatever. So, so you're going to St. Louis to watch the Timbers, and how about let's make a deal. If the Timbers win and score their first ever hat trick in team history, which is yet to happen in 12 or 13 years, then you have to buy a Jared Stroud custom St. Louis jersey. Can I burn it outside their stadium? No, you have to You have to wear that thing loud and proud. I mean, Gosh. statistically, we're like, what, 400 games into to the timbers like existence and we've yet to score one so i know but i know like my luck i'm gonna say that and then it's gonna be like diego gutierrez pops off with just like two bangers outside the box and then like a bicycle kick dude that guy can't even control a six yard pass how is he gonna do that hey he has a viral tiktok man calm down the man's out here just working on his dream all right no i i res- i respect the i respect the grind i hope he does well but just I will say we always we always end up talking about Timbers. We're talking about St. Louis and San Jose here. We end up on a fringe T two Timbers two. I will say as a Timbers fan, as a Timbers fan, Diego Gutierrez, I he does not look convincing on the field. But I think the direction a lot of people want to see the club go in is where we start playing these younger guys. But we can't do that if every time we play them, everybody just gets super pissed and like, what the heck is this guy doing on the field? He can't even control a pass. He can't. He can't. That's true. I saw him try and do like a scissor and like go past somebody in the previous game, and he just got shut down by like a guy who'd been playing for 89 minutes already and was just exhausted. I don't want to talk about the Timbers anymore, man. There's, <laughs> there's... 
Colorado right. hosts Minnesota. A blockbuster game. Minnesota wins 2-1 to one on the road. And, you know, I saw on Twitter, so, yeah, still no Reynoso for Minnesota. I think it's safe to assume he's not coming back. He's in his legal issues back in Argentina and apparently disappeared from... <laughs> He's literally gone. I don't know the reports that I've seen, but is, there, is my man okay? Like, is, I hope he is. Yeah, pray for Reynoso, I guess. But yeah, it looks like changed his name. Has a like different team now. South Korea, apparent. There's some South Korean international player they're looking at. Um, probably, I guess, as a kind of offensive replacement. But yeah, watch Reynoso just be a like a DP signing for like Cincinnati or DC United <laughs> or, you know, one of those teams, he comes Timbers, back to the dude, league. Come to the Timbers. But Wait, so who's this uh, South Korean guy? Do you know much about him? I, I didn't catch his name. I just saw a report, but from what I saw, it seems like Minnesota, they have the lowest pass completion ranking uh, since they kept track of that stat since 2009 is what I saw. <laughs> and somebody said, they're just going full Burnley with their playing style and they got a win here. They're getting results. So, Sean Deitch to Minnesota. You know, weirdly enough, I can see that. Once Adrian Heath burns down the place and just completely kills his chance of ever getting another MLS career. Yeah, I I think they've hold, held on to him a little too long. But ending the week of league games, LA Galaxy hosts Vancouver Whitecaps and a 1-1 draw. Boring. Yeah. Uh, I think Timbers take on LA Galaxy next week, right? At home. So we're going to lose 3-0. So, which I would have been a little bit more afraid of just looking at this LA Galaxy team on paper, but they aren't really able to put any results together right now. That's, yeah, so I, like when we were talking about matchups here, I regret ranking teams like SKC so high. LA Galaxy I was never convinced on, and in this offseason. I didn't think they did enough, and I'm feeling pretty confident with that. But yeah, that wraps up this week, this last week's previous results. Moving on, we're going to do continuation of our last segment where we were talking about each club's worst ever signings, and we're going to be doing Western Conference now after we do Eastern Conference. So, Yes, sir. So we're just going to start off. We're going to go in alphabetical order again, starting off with Austin. This was Jacob's pick. I'm going to put it out there right now. It's kind of tough picking for some of these newer teams, but with Austin FC, we went with Rigoni. Emmanuel Rigoni, and I don't know. From what I've seen, he's yet to make a he's yet to make an impact. Like we were looking at stats, he came in for three and a half million dollars, and hasn't really produced anything. I said he's got zero goals, zero assists, only eleven appearances, and like half a season plus this season and chase over here is trying to convince me his like carries through the midfield percentage was pretty high but it's like is that really what you want from your big money winger so the thing is is like when you kind of look at these more like niche stats for guys like this like a winger um his best season for sao paulo uh he played 30 games and he put up 51 progressive carries. So that's when like a player picks it up in the midfield and they carry the ball more than 10 yards forward in release. Um, so, I mean, he's he's been good in the past, but just for Austin, it hasn't been enough. I know you, you probably want to see goals and assists, but 
there's definitely more to it for guys that are a little bit deeper on the field than your striker. But yeah, it's just when you look at his numbers across his career, it's never looked that great. But man, it's it's tough picking for Austin because they've been pretty good across their their time in MLS so far. But Rigoni, I think, is probably a solid option with him being like a big, uh, big money signing and just not being able to put up the output that you want to see because you would at least want to see some assists. Like I can understand not seeing the goals there. You'd at least want to see the assist. I will say he's only played 11 games for the club, but still not I was, good enough. I was going to say, you know, I think as a number eight or something, a little bit deeper, but he's like, he's playing on the wing. And yeah, I think some assists or something. He's got to show us something that makes it worth it um, for his price tag right now. And I don't think we've seen that. But yeah, Austin, who, who else do you think could be a candidate for Austin? I don't know. Maybe Kip Keller, Amroteric, anybody yeah. who's just in their back line passing this year. the ball back. When I see a guy like John Gallagher, the Irish left back, screaming forward and scoring banger goals for Austin, and I see this Emmanuel Rigoni guy doing nothing but progressive carries on the field, I think I think he's got to be doing a little more. But well, I mean, it's similar to like Nagby. Nagby didn't put up any like good like goal or assists across his career at the Timbers, but the guy was lights out with like ball retention and like progressive carries. And I think the key for Nagby was when we won the cup because he played on the wing for us, remember? And yeah, he was never great there. But as soon as Caleb Porter shifted him back and played him like as an eight, like with Diego Chara behind him, that's really when we took off as a club. So and you're saying we should sign. We should sign him from Austin and put him as an eight. No, I'm saying Nagby was like 22 when that happened and just started his career. This guy is almost thir- he's almost 30 years old, and I think Dude, he played in Europe. Come on, I I'm gonna move on. Colorado Rapids, and they don't have a strong DP history. They haven't had a lot of flops, but they just don't really sign DPs. It's kind of <laughs> weird. Most, it's like the most like Salt Lake and Colorado thing. It's the Rocky Mountain way. But Gabriel Torres, and, you know, his stats isn't, like, completely awful. I wouldn't say he was, like, a major flop necessarily, but... But have you seen his progressive carries? <laughs> that's going to be a new meme for you. He... 56 games, 10 goals. He was their first ever DP in 2013. A whopping... Took Colorado six years after the DP rule was announced to actually make a dp signing which is interesting to me but you know those seasons for colorado weren't really great and i think you just expect more from a dp striker than one goal every five and a half games that's like that's like a depth striker type of stat line to me you know not not a dp yeah i think across his time in colorado he averaged like he was putting up like a goal every four games or something, something about about that. But yeah, definitely not a good DP signing for Colorado. Also, can we just talk about how long this guy's been playing? He's put up like a 20-year career. He's still playing like this year. He's playing in Venezuela for a club named Zamora, who's 10th in their league right now. Yeah, dude, this guy started his career in 2003. That's insane. Good on him for still playing. You know, I mean, sucked at Colorado, but man, it's actually funny enough. When he left Colorado, he went to Zamora, played for another like 
six years for other clubs, and now he's back on his redemption tour at Zamora again. Maybe Love. he comes back to Colorado next year. <laughs> Just the that exact would be such opposite. a Colorado move too, and Just then a I- mediocre DP. <laughs> you really got to excite the fans out there. That's right. At the the Saint the Dick Sporting Good Park faithful coming out to watch Gabby Torres. Next up, though, this was an interesting one to me. FC Dallas, Danielson, the Brazilian uh, forward who won the World Cup in 2002 with Brazil, one of the only World Cup winners to, to play in MLS, and he was also the most expensive transfer in the world at one point when he went to Real Batiste from Sao Paulo. But this guy went to FC Dallas in 2007, was a designated player back when their stadium was Pizza Hut Park and scored. <laughs> That's some good MLS I, lore right there, dude. I, I knew that would be funny, but I didn't think everybody else would be. I was trying hard not to laugh, but he scored one goal, a penalty kick, and then was excluded from the squad for multiple appearances for their U.S. Open Cup final, and then... Their head coach said he needed to earn a spot again in the lineup. This dude who won the World <laughs> Cup, so showed for the prestige of FC Dallas. It showed he just wasn't really committed to me. This guy also played at Al Nassar, some small club where some Portuguese guy plays. So not yeah. not a good signing, but yeah, most expensive player in the world. And at one point, played for it, FC Dallas. Dude, that's where um, Gareth Bale is going to end up at next. Another most expensive player at one point. That's right. Houston Dynamo and Chase. I'm going to let you take the reins on this one. I don't know who this is. I don't think many people who know who this is other than Houston fans. We pulled up Koke. Man came to Houston, played like seven games, and then just got like excluded right after. I think he signed... I think I remember we said he signed as like a DP for them, like on loan or something. But yeah, guy played seven games, big money signing, did like absolutely nothing for them. So just, at least from what I was reading from a lot of Houston fans, this was kind of their number one bad signing. I would say Ache Ache, personally, but that's just me being a little bit of a mischievous boy. Yeah, crazy DP signing, you're literally there not even a full year before your contract gets terminated. That's that's just weird. I don't know. It's just a big miss, honestly. And I feel like, at least in previous years with MLS, a lot of those guys who are big money, they would come in, and if they didn't buy into the team, they'd usually get let go for like some other like off-the-field reasons. Like They weren't really showing up to training. They weren't taking it very serious. So it may have been something like that. Yeah, I agree. Next up, Chase, this is another one you you did your research for. And Sporting Kansas City, who you got? Yet another guy who came in as a DP, played nine games, got one assist, and then was let go. Our boy Jefferson. Jefferson Rodriguez Gonsalves, the Brazilian. We're having a lot of Brazilians on this list. What, What do you think that means? Uh, Evander is going to be on this list pretty soon. Oh, man. <laughs> I got the next one queued up, so that's what I just showed Chase, but carry All on. All right. Let's just, let's just oh, move on. Was that, was that it? 
That was, there's not much else to say about these rando like guys that played in MLS back between like 2007 to 2012 who just played less than 10 games. Like imagine just being a big money signing, you come to the league, you're there for less than 2 months and then you just get terminated. Contract-wise, of course. No, they just get actually terminated. But for the LA Galaxy, Steven Gerrard Steven Gerrard for the LA Galaxy. And yeah, he made 500 appearances for Liverpool over a 17 year career there. Joins the LA Galaxy. And I remember he what he was saying was this was a new lease on life for me. He was like excited to be here, excited to get out of the gray, coldy, rainy Liverpool weather. And he got a few goals, but like. Watching this guy play away, like at Houston in like the ninety degree weather on like a hot day in Houston, thirty eight years old, he's running on toothpicks for legs, just with all these athletic younger players just blazing past him. What a legendary player, but wasn't a guy who who really did much for for his club in MLS and just kind of the beginning of the downfall for the LA Galaxy. They had just won the cup the year before the MLS Cup twenty fourteen. And then this is where they just went really downhill, not just because of Gerard, but failed to make an impact was just a reminded me of like an MLS like 1.0 signing. You signed like a 37 year old English center mid. And one last thing I'll say about this guy. So he signs for the LA Galaxy and he he signed in January and he was going to come in July once the Liverpool season ended. And the 2015 MLS All-Star game I went to in Colorado. And, like, the week of the game, the commissioner of the league decided Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard, neither of which had made an an appearance in the league, would be named the All-Star team against Tottenham. And then he got, like, hurt or something and couldn't even (laughs) play in the game. (laughs) That's such a weird MLS thing. I I love, like, the All-Star game and the All-Star weekend, but I hate like the weird rules around it where players have to participate or else they get suspended like the next week or something like that. And then also the weird, like I remember when like Portland hosted it, like Liam Ridgewell made it on and I don't think he had been around very long before that as well. So that one, that was like, I think the hosting coach gets a pick or something as well. Right. So what happened there was one of the center backs couldn't make the trip or got hurt or something happened last minute, so we just needed some defender in there. Kind of BS that Ridgewell got it because he had literally played like three games for us. But this guy, this fraud, I'm just kidding. I don't know how you ever say that about Steven Gerrard again. He he hadn't even played a game yet, so it was kind of just like imagine The the man had played 504 games for the best club in the world. But picture. But picture picture you're a center mid and like in the league you've been grinding, you know, you've been putting up a solid season. This lad comes over from across the pond, gets an all-star spot for from you cuz there's like bonuses you get, extra money, like there's like real life consequences for making this and then this guy, Steven Gerrard needed the bonus as well, man. Come on. Less said about this the better. I I agree. LA Galaxy not a great signing when you see these old guys who are just should be retired already and 
just coming here to collect a check. I love Steven Gerrard as a player, one of the best to ever do it, but did not have a good time of it in the MLS. Or as a manager. Next hey, on, hey, though. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The best Rangers team ever? Okay, but. Shout out to our buddy Ryan. Rangers undefeated. Okay, but me and you could be their managers of Celtic and Rangers and still top the league by 35 points because you're playing like Division three college teams other than the big two. You want to download Football Manager 23 and find out? I kind of do, actually. Next up, we have Andre Horta with Los Angeles FC. Dude, I'm trying to find on Wikipedia and stuff. His stats is just not on here. But yeah, he was I, a. I have his stats pulled up for his two years in LA, and I'll, I'll just give you a quick little rundown. So he got 15 appearances across two years, five starts, and zero goals, zero assists. Designated player too. So he came from Benfica, and he was like in his prime. He was an exciting prospect. He was playing for the under 20s uh, Portuguese national teams. Do you remember he had an infamous game where it was like the second El Trafico game and he his team LAFC were up 2-0 and he does like a back pass just right to the other team and it gets intercepted and I think it was Ola Kamara like scored it and then they blew their lead. This was back when LAFC couldn't beat the Galaxy for some reason when Ibra was there but that one moment, I think, summed up his MLS career pretty well. Yeah, definitely. With a club like LAFC that's been pretty solid for their whole time in the league, similar to Austin, hard to find a guy that kind of fits this, but Horta fits it to a T. Guy did nothing in the league. His progressive carries were just horrible. Guy was not doing much, all right? I don't know what I don't think I've ever heard you talk about progressive carries other than today. Next up though, this was uh Minnesota United and I was uh I was looking at some players here. They have and I completely forgot about this guy. He's a player who is Norwegian. His name was Vadim Demidov. This European guy was from Oh, never mind. Was Latvian. <laughs> was signed for Minnesota, like, ahead of their first year. And Adrian Heath, he was the club captain for their first season. And he made three appearances. and he Three starts and th- three full 90s. And they can, he was their center back. He was supposed to be their anchor. First game, he was playing at Portland. It was Minnesota's first game in the league. They lost 5-1. to one. At home. I remember that game. I was there. That's right. And yeah, he's, shout out to the Bob Ross Tifo. I remember that one too. Yeah. He was there. He was anchoring them. And yeah, 16 goals in their first three games. Doesn't make an appearance the rest of the season. And then they count, they cancel his contract. He was their DP head club captain. How does that happen? Man, man How does that happen? Three games, concedes 16 goals. To be fair, Minnesota was just terrible that first year they were the cincinnati before cincinnati they were terrible didn't we i think we lost to them away though probably oh it was remember they played it was before they had their new stadium and they lost like 4-1 alvis powell scored that screamer like in their football stadium and it was at halftime coach geo like dropped an f-bomb on like live tv because he was just 
Portland couldn't defend, and then six years later they still can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. That was the day that I realized I hate the song Wonderwall, which I don't hate anymore. It's a good song. Anyways, moving on to the historic Portland Timbers. There was a lot of people I could say as a Timbers fan. You know, the short list is Van Rankin. That's a good one. Lucas Milano. Uh, I think we ultimately didn't go with him because... He got a soft spot for Milano. He, he ended up helping us win the league. Um, I mean, there's so, there's so many guys I can think of off the top. Like, uh, what's his name? The Swedish striker that scored the Bergkamp flick goal. Oh, Armenteros? Armenteros, dude. You know, dude. I won't count him. Anybody who scores at Seattle has a pass for me for life. So That guy had, and he scored a banger like that. I think it was against Colorado that he did that, where he like it was. did the weird bird camp flick. Yeah, and Portland Timbers, though, you know who it has to be. Chris Boyd, the Scottish striker. This is what I'm talking about, man. This is... I, I The Rangers man. The Rangers man. He had... He's the all-time leading scorer of the Scottish League. Played for one of the big boys. 101 goals and 143 appearances. And then played in Turkey, played in England, came to Portland, scored seven goals in 26. And this is 12 year, 11 years ago when the league was at a much lower level. Just wasn't, didn't fit with our system. He wasn't like, didn't seem very fit. He, he couldn't run. He was like a poacher and he couldn't even do that that well. Yeah, he um Obviously had a great career. You can't knock him for his career, but his year in Portland was pretty terrible. I'd say the only thing that was um, somewhat good about his time in Portland is he was like part of the reason why we like had to reanalyze ourselves as a club. Like <laughs> fired our head coach, ended up getting Caleb Porter like soon after. So thank you, Chris Boyd. That's right. Yeah, you know what? I I'm always really nostalgic about that era of the Timbers, but. Yeah, he left Portland, went back to Kilmarnock in the Scottish League. It's like like one of the it's like not quite Rangers Celtic level, but it's like one of the bigger clubs. Scored 25 goals in 44 appearances, went back to Rangers, and then went back to that club Kilmarnock and scored 33 goals in 109. So he was still scoring like pretty good percentages afterwards. This guy had a lights 16 seasons in that league. He put up 223 goals in the Scottish Premiership. And that's just yeah, no no comment about the Scottish League. I will say that you know, I saw <laughs> I saw this guy. I sent this to you on Instagram. He pops up in the most random places. He was on, you know, the Hood Clips Instagram account. <laughs> yeah. It was some meme about like falling asleep in class or something, and I guess he's like a commentator now, and it was just like him just like kind of tweaking out with his eyes. <laughs> on camera and it was i was like that's chris boyd (laughs) i'm glad the rest of the world was blessed with some chris boyd next up rail salt lake the biggest club in mls and this was kind of a tricky one because yeah salt lake's been a not like a world beater team but like quietly a solid club back in the day but we went for juan manuel burrito martinez I guess this is his nickname is Burrito or Little Donkey. Anyway, he played for Salt Lake for about two seasons and 40, 40 appearances, eight goals. Came from Boca Juniors, so big club. And 
yeah, I remember this guy. He was like really good at dribbling, really flashy, could nutmeg like anybody just on a transition, but just wasn't really the answer on the wing for them. This was like, you know, moving out from this. This is like towards the end of Beckerman and Ramondo's career, and they were looking at these kind of international signings. None of them really hit, so Burrito Martinez. Yeah, I feel like a lot of these like smaller clubs like Colorado and Real Salt Lake, some of these teams that just don't splash a lot of money, it's hard to find names for this because you almost give them a pass when you're like, you guys aren't spending a lot of money. You don't have much. Like, I don't even think they expect much when they sign these guys. <laughs> so it's like when they, a guy doesn't hit, it's like, well, you know, what's new? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, who else were we going to pick for Salt Lake? Bobby Wood? <laughs> you could have. I don't know. I mean... There isn't much for Salt Lake. I don't. I don't really like analyzing their roster that much. Next up, we got Innocent Emigara, the Swedish striker, and this is for the San Jose Earthquakes. He came over from. I'm gonna give it a shot here. A team in Azerbaijan called FC Quarabag, and he came over to the Earthquakes. Played. <laughs> 13 times, scored one goal, and then left that following year and went back to Quarbag in the next couple seasons. I believe his one goal was against at Seattle, though. So you're you're good in my pass. books if you score pass. against Seattle. Yeah. Again, not much to say here. Just a, this, a guy that was probably like a pretty hyped up, I'm assuming. He was... What I'll say about this guy, I remember... In FIFA, so he was like a silver 74 rated player with like 95 pace. And those players are always like the most expensive. So they had this crazy fast, like smaller guy. And then the like chopsticks walking on the field, Wondolowski and a flat 442. And it just reminded me of pro clubs. They got the little fast guy and the big tall guy that they just dump crosses in and hopes, hoping he cleans them up. Sounds like he was a worse version of Emmanuel Boateng for Galaxy. Yeah, it didn't really make an impact, so that's our pick for San Jose. Moving on to Chase's favorite team in the league, his fan favorite team, the Seattle Sounders. We went with Freddie Lundberg. I hate the Sounders. Do not listen to Jacob whatsoever. This guy had a long career in England. Played for Arsenal for many years. Played for West Ham. Came to Seattle and just did not impress. Yeah, he was their first designated player signing and yeah, Seattle Seattle went big all in. They were successful to start their career in MLS and just didn't make an impact and he was traded. He was a DP who got traded, which you don't see happen in the league very often. Traded for a second round pick in the MLS Super Draft to Chicago and wasn't good for Chicago either. He's clearly past it. And then, after he was terrible in MLS, went to Celtic and played. That's like the cheat code as a player. If you, wanna, if you just want to get a, a couple trophies, you just go to Celtic or something like that. Exactly. This guy could just rot on the bench, come in for two minutes a game and destroy some Celtic, def- some Scottish League defenders. But yeah, then went to finish his career at Mumbai City in the Indian Super League. So Do you know who... Seattle Sounders picked up with that second round draft pick in 2010 or it was 2011 right 
Uh, yeah, 2011 pick. 2011, they got John Moffitt from University of Wisconsin. Don't I, know where that guy's at now. He's probably like a pharmacist or something somewhere. <laughs> Less, but he's working in the the optical section at Costco in Seattle. <laughs> Last up, Vancouver Whitecaps and another tough one because they haven't been really super successful, honestly. So there was lots of... I tried to say that as nice as possible, but here's a big one for me because this could have been a turning point for their... They were new team, came to the league 2011, same year as Portland, and when you're a new team in the league... You either get the first pick in the draft or the first pick in the allocation order. So, or the the expansion draft, sorry. So, usually when two teams join at the same time, so Portland got the expansion draft. They picked Jack Jewsbury, who anchored us for a while. And then Vancouver got the first pick in the MLS draft. Well, support so that means Portland got draft pick number two. Draft pick number two was some guy called Darlington Nagby, who was pretty successful i would say in comparison to who vancouver picked which was omar selcado and this guy yeah he was the number one pick he was their striker and i believe he played there for from 2011 till 2014 made a whopping 26 appearances in four seasons went on loan and scored one goal 26 appearances did put up two assists, though. How about expected carries or whatever that stat was you were talking about? They don't. They didn't record it for him. <laughs> they have no respected. Uh, or not, you, you changed my my vocabulary. It's progressive carries. They had they had no progressive carries recorded for this man, but he did have a little bit of a success in the USL Championship. Currently playing for El Paso, or actually. Not currently. 2020, he played for El Paso. Yeah, and just, like, picture if, picture if they picked Nagby, you know. He could have been, like, a franchise. We got, like, seven years out of Nagby before he he moved on from us, but helped us win a championship. Could have been just a, you know, like a key player for them just in the middle and could have changed things for them. But, nope, they got this guy, so that is Vancouver's worst Vancouver signing. Vancouver in a nutshell. Just... Kind of falling behind just the rest of the league. Always always one step behind, I would say, about Vancouver. That is it. That's every team. That's every team. Let's do a quick preview for for Saturday next week. Next round of MLS games. National team is going to be active too. Granada is hosting the United States in Nations League. So some can't big... Wait, can't wait to see our C team run out there. I got so I'm not gonna do these in order of game time, but first first intriguing matchup for me, San Jose hosting Toronto. What do you see in this? I think San Jose is gonna run away with it. Why? I'm not big on Toronto at all. They don't look convincing and I'm I just love that front three of San Jose. Cade Cowell really coming into his own. Jeremy Abobasi proving that he's a great striker for MLS. And Espinoza on the on the right side, I think he's just an underrated player in MLS. The guy is lights out, and he's a baller when he has the ball at his feet. Yeah, that's an exciting one for sure. Next up, big game, Curacao hosting Canada. 
Just kidding. It's going to be Portland hosting LA Galaxy, two of the biggest clubs in the league. Both of them have been terrible this season. And I can see this one going either way, honestly. I can see Portland putting up a stinker. I can see LA Galaxy just getting shredded. I, I don't know. Neither of these teams have been impressive at all. You know what I'm going to hate is like Efren Alvarez has just been absolutely like he's like good on the ball, but he hasn't been good for LA Galaxy. But that dude like turns up for Portland games. I don't know if you remember last year, but he like was torching our like left hand side. And then he was like cutting in and just like firing these shots off to the far post. Like he was just pretending to be Carlos Vela. And I could see him just turning up again. Yeah. I don't know. These are the games that make me nervous. It's like Portland should win these games, but I can just. Every game makes me nervous for Portland. You're right. I'm going to say Columbus Crew hosting Atlanta. Atlanta, this should be a big test away from home. Columbus is looking all right, but they've had some setbacks, and Atlanta's been just unbelievable with their attack. And I'm curious to see how it, how Columbus matches up with a team like this. Biggest test for Wolf and Nancy so far. It's going to be interesting because, like, Atlanta is so, like, critical on their counterattacks. That's where they really killed Portland. For whatever reason, we are pushing way more numbers forward than we usually do. And they get these just like insane counterattacks where their whole team's committing forward, and we just have like Mabiala back there, just looking like he's running in heels or something. Like, and it just they were just killing us like with these crazy, just like kind of slaloming runs. They would like cross their paths, and they were just finding really good space that way. So coming up against a Columbus that is pretty solid defensively and has like a pretty good philosophy where they want to hold the ball and they want to possess and play really strong. I don't know. I, I see Columbus actually pulling a result out of this. I don't think Atlanta, they're definitely a good team, but I don't think they're as good as they showed against the Timbers. What if Nagby scores like in the minute and 35 seconds, a screamer from outside of the box, but it gets called off sides. I could see him just choke slamming the referee. That is something Nagby would do. Also, U.S. Open Cup starting. We got some big matchups. I'm not going to go through them all, but we got Tulsa Athletic playing Brazos Valley Calvary. We got Park City Red Wolves playing. We got Cleveland SC playing Lionsbridge at North Olmsted High School Field. (laughs) We got Jacksonville Armada under 23. These are teams I've never heard of. Dude. Are you telling me you haven't heard of Abubakar Siddiqui Mubarak Diallo for Tulsa Athletic? He's my favorite player, man. The striker who has just been lights out for them this year. They definitely, definitely going to be a, just a banger of a game. Watching Jamie Gilbert just pull off, pull the strings to the midfield, dude. I love U.S. Open Cup. I wish that competition got more attention because. I really wish the way they structured it was similar to how they're doing Leagues Cup. I wish they took a break from MLS season, and if they just had like a month-long like U.S. Open Cup, would be so fun to watch, where all these teams are actually like putting effort into it, and they're really focusing on winning a trophy that will lead to something. I wish, too, they made the lower... So in like La Liga, until like the quarterfinals or something, the lower team always hosts. So if it's like, especially like these random... 
PDL Division Five teams or like you know USL teams, if they hosted like an MLS club, it'd be like a big deal. They'd sell out. And I remember seeing like you just gotta love like the the random stuff that happens. I remember watching some like random Chicago like semi pro team. This was like the qualification to get into like the second to last round. So it was like all amateur teams. They're playing and they had to end the game like prematurely and end it with a PK shootout because the the stadium lights wouldn't turn on. So it was too dark and they couldn't play and it was pitch black. And I don't know. I just love to see just the shenanigans like that go on. It's like CONCACAF light. Like it's not as crazy as CONCACAF, but you do get a little bit of it. It's, I like the idea of like the lower like division teams hosting, but there is something to like hater. <laughs> Cause at least from what I've like read and how it's like structured for, uh, like the cup in England, like when those lower teams get to go away to like a Manchester United or something like that, they get a lot more money from the ticket sales versus if they sell out their home stadium. Cause when they go to like a bigger team, if they go to Portland and they sell out a pretty decent amount of tickets, their portion ends up being more if they were to sell out their home stadium. So a little bit more money pumped into it, but with how the pyramid works in the U S there isn't much money to go around. That's good. It all, it all goes to Donnie Garber. Good old Don Garber, the man. That's going to wrap up episode number six of the MLS Net Boys podcast. Chase, what you do you have to say to sign us off? You don't want to sit here and talk about Marvin Luria's progressive carries for the next 15 minutes? I don't ever want to hear progressive carries used as a defense for a winger ever again. All right. I won't bring it up, but all I have to say is Keegan Hughes, come on the show. You're going to have a breakout season. Jose Van Rankin, come on the show. Please don't. No. That's going to wrap it up, and we'll see you guys next week.